Good morning, church. Today's passage is taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppression. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. Try that again. There we go. <laughs> so uh, I think we might be having a different. Okay. Good morning, everyone. How are you going? Good to see you this morning, and and a relatively full room for a week after weekend after Easter and a rainy day. So I'm I'm really I'm really thrilled. I I actually believe the Lord has something really special for us this morning. This is a painting that Lauren did last week. Um, at our Good Friday service, and um, the words on top are another translation of the last couple of verses of what Shelley just read that say, um, wait on the Lord, be strong and courageous. Uh, God's, God's goodness in the land of the living, wait on the Lord, be strong and courageous. Um, wait on the Lord. And um, it's uh, a picture, um, one of the three paintings 
are depicting the Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Friday was darkness, Sunday saw the light coming in the painting that Evie did. Um, in between is a little bit like what's on the screen, a desert wilderness type image. And I uh, wanted to reflect a little bit on that today and it's going to be a little bit different because um, you're always going to share the pulpit with me. Um, I, I don't fully know what he's going to say. He doesn't really know what I'm going to say and we're just going to hope that it works. Um, but it's all around, you know, this, this, this space, this Saturday kind of faith, um, this space that, um, that uh, comes in between Fridays and Sunday, um, so to speak. Um, and, and when I asked Cameron... Lauren and Evie to, to do these paintings on Good Friday, uh, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday representations. Um, Evie's thought was that um, we, they do landscapes and Cam had already kind of had the idea of his kind of the clouds over the mountain as Jesus died and, and, um, and suggested that the Saturday one be desert, desert wilderness. And I, thought, I think that was right on um, in terms of representing Saturday because... Um, uh, this, this was a desert kind of wilderness experience for the disciples. If you imagine the disciples um, on the Saturday, the day after Jesus died, um, he told them he would rise from, from death, but right now he's dead. And so there's hope, and the, but there, there, there is hope in, in the fact that he has promised something, but there's also confusion and doubt in that moment. They don't live on the side of the promise that we do. So it's easy for us to say, well, Jesus is going to rise again. But right then in that space for them, it was like he said it would happen. But wow, <laughs> right now, what, what are we? There's confusion, there's doubt. Um, they didn't have the benefit of living on that side, this side of the promise. Um, it's a wilderness kind of experience. The thing about the wilderness, though, is that Jesus went to it often by choice. Not out of just necessity or because God put him there, although that did happen as well, but by choice, to be with God. There was nothing there. That's what the wilderness is. And the, the Greek word, I don't know it, but it's basically thought it's like a nothingness. When there's nothing else of value, though, all we have is God. And this is why Jesus went out to the wilderness often to pray, to be with God, away from the hustle and bustle, away from even his disciples and all they wanted him to do, away from other people into the wilderness. Psalm 27 that we just read, This one thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For us isn't some temple or building, like the house of the Lord is a, a, a literal bricks and mortar place that has been built. Um, so when it boils down to it, it's about being in his presence, being in the space, the place where we connect with him, being in God's presence. And sometimes, often even, his presence is in the wilderness, the desert seasons, the desert experiences. Either we willingly enter those experiences and seasons or God puts us in them sometimes. Either way, there's a purpose to the wilderness, the desert, Saturday. Uh, and Yoi was the one who two weeks ago prompted our team to think about Saturday a little bit more and what it represents. And we do, sun, we do Friday, Good Friday, we do Sunday, all the celebrations and remembrance around that. But what about Saturday? And so I asked Yoi if he'd share the pulpit this morning, reflect on this a little, um, and then I'll jump back up after him. Thanks, Yoi.
Okay, I'll just take this on my phone. Well, so that I don't. All right. I have 10 minutes to share with you this morning. And I'll I endeavor, endeavor to stick on it. So I put my timer, and it will, it will time me uh, on a 10. And uh, that's uh, just to honor the time that you have and might and Luke's time before I rub him from all the messages this morning. Have you ever remembered this? It was the old favorite of mine. Because this last week, the whole week I was looking at my CDs. It was like hundreds of CDs and it's, I miss the CDs. Because this little thing here is a wonder, right? When you play, this is the only thing that you can rewind, stop, pause, and uh, forward and skip, right? Remember this? And the, the, the play and the pause is in one place. And I was reflecting and asking myself, what is Saturday? Sometimes, you know, we in, in a Christianity, in a Christendom, we always celebrate Friday and, sat, and Sunday. But what is Saturday? And I, I began to uh, kind of just ponder upon it. And I have this morning, I think, three things that I want to share with you. One is, I think Saturday is a time to pause. Because in our life, in our generation and these days, we run and run and run. I remember when I was in Singapore for 13 years, we don't drive in first gear. We drive in fifth gear. Life is so fast. We don't have time. It's, it's kind of the word that you will hear everywhere is, I have no time, please. I have no time. But they are, what, they are, they are wearing a Rolex watch, but they don't have time. They have watch, but no time. I think it's about time for us to to kind of pause and, and look at our lives. Just pause in this time on Saturday and pause that, that if, is there a place in our life that we would need to rewind? Rewind and evaluate our lives? Is this a place that we need to forward, move forward in our life that, that we experience during this one whole year plus or a year plus? Or there is a place where we should stop seeing the negative and look towards the author and the finisher of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. Or we need to play and start fulfilling the God-given destiny that God has given us. I think this is Saturday for us. And probably we need to pause again and wait while we gaze on Jesus. Interestingly, I never asked Luke what passage this morning would be read. And it's my favorite verse, Psalms 23. One thing, 27, sorry. One thing I've asked of the Lord and I will seek after that. I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Gaze on Jesus. Work while he's coming. While he's preparing to come again. I think we need to pause and, 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 and kind of gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Secondly, I think it's a time. Saturday is time to ponder. Not just to post, but to ponder. You know, the disciples uh, kind of feeling very uneasy because there is silence. But silence is not the absence of, or inactivity is never an ap apathy. Because God went down to hell and, and death, the place of death, to destroy it 
and to defeat it. I think it's about time for us to ponder and really and watch, wait, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, redeeming the time because the days are evil, what it means to be a follower being or making disciple of Jesus Christ. I think it's about time for us to ponder. This pandemic, this COVID, is a time for us to ponder what really is important. Who is important in our life? Right? Lastly, I think it's important for us that God see, to see that God is provoking us. Provoke. You know, the disciple was provoked. They, don't even, they didn't even realize or recognize that Jesus was resurrected on the road of Emmaus. They don't even realize. Right? I think it's important for us that to look and see that God is provoking us to see whether our strength comes from ourselves, our ability, our wealth, or is it from Jesus Christ, our strength. You know, the strength that we have in God is that he went to death and hell and defeated. That's the strength that we have. And that's on Saturday, isn't it? That's on Saturday. And our security comes from the promise that he will come again. There's no other security in life, isn't it? Everything. Not only the security, but also the significance. Our significance is that he is alive. Isn't it? He was on Saturday, lying on that, but he was alive. He went down to hell and defeated and death. He defeated it. But probably the most important thing is that God is provoking us to look at our spirituality. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I think in this time of pandemic, it's about, I think, time for every single one of us to look and say, God, God, is there anything that you are provoking me? You know, in, I, I just want to go through this last slide. On the road of Emmaus, Two followers of Jesus lament that their hope was shattered. In the room of Jerusalem, followers gathered behind closed doors with fear. You know, they don't know what to do. There was fear, their fear was intensified that their Jesus, their Messiah, was dead. Some days earlier, Thomas cried out, Lord, we do not know where we are going. How can we know the way? That's in John chapter 14, verse 5. That speaks for us this morning as in closing. In our current situation, are we really the disciple, that being a disciple or making a disciple of Jesus Christ as the priority of the time that we spend, a space of Saturday where we can ponder, we can pause, we can ponder and be provoked by God that we as a church, as a people, as a disciple, we ought to be being a disciple and making a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I sent a message to my friends because we have a reunion, virtual reunion last Saturday with my friends, my home church in the Philippines. And I look at it and I said, you know, we celebrate our legacy because we have pastors and this church makes so much pastor out of it. But I said, we must gaze. This is exactly what I said. Our gaze must not be 
on the people, but our gaze must be on the God who died on Friday, but went down to victory and defeat the enemy on Saturday and resurrected on Sunday so that we can move on and continue the life that God has given us until he comes. May God bless you. Said again, I think I think I fixed it. Yep, cool. maybe. <laughs> um, thank you, Yoi. Uh, I wonder if we pause and ponder for for a few minutes um, on how God might be prodding or provoking us <laughs> right now. So if we could put the provoke um, uh, um, slide back up. You said provoke, like provoke. Gee whiz, I don't know if God does provoking, but. If, if that's too strong a word for you, prodding. I think God definitely prods. Um, pausing, pondering, okay, God, how are you? And I think that's meant to say he defeated death and hell, right? Not he, death and hell. Okay, um, he defeated death and hell. And the fact that, you know, God's strength comes in the fact that he has defeated death. Security comes he, that he will come again. Significance, our significance, that he is alive. And, and, and this deep spirituality that he'll never leave us or forsake us. What stands out for you? Just sit on that for 30 seconds and then we'll turn to a neighbour for um, uh, a couple of minutes just to, to share. So just turn to someone next to you. What's... What's God getting your attention on is one way to put this. <laughs> and uh, just share with some, uh, someone next to you just for the next couple of minutes. Alrighty. So, as we think about this, this uh, uh, there was a phrase you always said a couple of times, 
Um, it's about time that we, it's about time, it's about time. Well, I guess it's worth considering what, what is it about time for? Is, is it about time that there's a Saturday season and, and, and are we in that and what does that mean? I want to reflect on that for the next few minutes um, and, and, and look at a few, a few questions. Where is the world at? And in particular, if we can put that next slide up, um, where, yeah, the Western world, this is the world we live in. Where's the Western church at? Capital C Church, the church, the bigger, you know, the community of believers that we're part of. And where are we at as a, as a church family, the Billabong? Um, Mark Sayers, who's a pastor and author from Melbourne, and if you haven't heard of him, please go read all his books, listen to all his podcasts and past and binge all of his sermons this afternoon. Um, fantastic mind thinker, um, almost, you know, modern day prophet in, in a sense. Um, he talks, Mark Sayers talks about the post-Christian world that we now live in in the West. Um, and, and what that doesn't mean is that it's a return to pre-Christian era. So like, you know, countries that had never heard the gospel before and the church went and shared the gospel and now they're becoming Christian nations. A post-Christian nation or a post-Christian culture is different to that. It's not a return to paganism and spirituality and animalism and those kinds of things maybe in some cultures that they once had. It's rejecting God while still living off of the blessings he provided. That's what post-Christian culture is, where atheist culture and whatnot comes in. And so in this post-Christian culture we live in, utopia, or heaven, if you like, is, will be achieved when we get rid of the constraints of evil and even the evil of religion, crown the self as all-knowing and powerful, and, and experience the, the freedom in a sense, the freedom that comes from being superior, evolved, enlightened human beings, no longer weighed down by gods and divine powers and spirituality and religion and whatnot. You might say, well, people are spiritual. Yes, because God's put that in their hearts. But, but, but the, the desire for a, a divine being outside of ourselves, many now see that as, well, we have to get rid of that trap, that, that, that bondage and find freedom in the self. Hence the American dream, the Australian dream, the insert your dream for peace and prosperity here. You know, uh, you do you, hashtag my life, whatever you want to call it. It's, that's the world we live in, the post-Christian culture. And of course, in reality, that means money is power, status is God. The, the dream of utopia that you and I must have always comes, though, at the expense of someone else. Even if it's someone living in another country, making your clothes or making your porn or whatever it might be. That's the world we live in now, post-Christian, different to pre-Christian. What about the church in the West? What about the capital C, the, the church all around us in countries like Australia, America, UK, etc.? Well, many years ago, missionaries from the UK or America or Australia would have, would have to ensure that when they took the gospel to pre-Christian nations, they would have to ensure that they didn't enculturate those people groups, Right? to not try and bring Western culture, Western practices and whatnot and impose it on those in Africa or Asia or whatever um, and confuse those things with the gospel. The training for missionaries was to make sure that they took the gospel, 
the good news about Jesus, but not all of the Western stuff that comes with that, which is not necessary, and instead um, infused the gospel into the cultures that those countries already lived in. That was how training for missionaries to pre-Christian nations went. But Jesus... uh, um, But in the meantime, we didn't realize that it's a totally different challenge when bringing the gospel to a post-Christian culture. Because those we reach, as missionaries in our own backyard, those around us, our neighbors and work colleagues and whatnot, are not people who are worshiping other spirits and, and rejecting God and religion altogether and spirituality and, and then elevating the self. That's not what um, pre-Christian nations did, but in post-Christian culture, um, people are rejecting, are rejecting God and religion altogether. And so as missionaries to people in our own backyard, the danger was never that we would accidentally enculturate others with Western values, but that we would be... Now, I don't even know if this is the right word. I think it is. I'm making it up if not. Enculturated, right? The culture, next slide, the culture of the world around us would form us. And so what has happened is the church, most of the time, much of the time, now looks just like the world. So make sure you're you're catching it here. The difference between making sure we don't take Western things to others. And that was not the risk as missionaries in our own backyard. The risk is that the values of the world enculturate us as we try to take the gospel. And so, nowhere is this more true, that the church ends up looking very much like the world in our own denomination. Nowhere is this more true. But it's always easier to point the finger at others. Oh, mega churches, because they just look like rock concerts. Oh, traditional churches, because it's all just got ritual and no God. Whatever whatever it is, it's easy to point the finger elsewhere. In the meantime, we in the Western church live off of the blessings of a previous generation. We're very content and blessed, but not necessarily dependent on God himself completely. And so what about then the billabong? What about us as a church family? And what on earth does this have to do with Saturday faith and what Yoy was talking about? Waiting, pondering, hoping, pausing. Well, for all intents and purposes, we have all we need. We are hashtag blessed. Right? We have more by way of physical resources. I'm talking about the Billabong now. We have more by way of physical resources than any other church in this region, comparatively speaking, in terms of our size. Um, a result of the toil of previous generations, those in this congregation have gone before us, those Methodists and Presbyterians have gone before us, and their hard work and toil. Um, also, we can celebrate that we're multicultural, multi-generational. We have so many gifts of different kind, artistic gifts, musical gifts, and all sorts. And, and so so in, in every sense, we, we might say, we're a, we're a successful church. And yet, as Jesus walked down the road to Jerusalem, less than a week before his death, people everywhere were shouting, hooray for the King of Kings, Hosanna, hooray Jesus, our, Mes- our successful, triumphant Messiah. And he was actually walking towards his death and following that a long, silent period in a tomb. There are things in us 
that are being put to death, I believe. And we are, are going to have to wait and ponder and pause and say, God, what are you doing? Where are you right now? What's going on in this Saturday kind of experience? Now, you might say, what are you getting at, Luke? What's the leadership team planning here? <laughs> what are you planning? That No, 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 nothing. I mean, I am more excited about than ever about the future of this church, this, this church family, the possibilities, the journey ahead, some of the plans in formation, what God is leading us into. It's exciting. I'm, I'm, I've never been more energetic than where God is leading us and what he's doing and what possibilities lie ahead. But as I said on Vision Sunday, he is more interested in what he's doing in us than what he does through us. And what I feel in my spirit is that the next couple of months at least, maybe longer, will be in particular a time of formation. The teaching series we're starting next week will be called probably come holy spirit and i'm really excited we're going to talk about everything hopefully really practical but talk about everything from relationship between the father son and holy spirit and how he draws us into that how prayer works right through to speaking in tongues and prophesying and all that stuff and i hope it will be really practical i hope it will be informative that it'll be biblical and biblical and hopefully pretty biblical too um but most importantly, I pray he'll do a work in us. Jesus is coming back, but for now it's Saturday. And as we wait on God, it's not just waiting for his return, it's dwelling in his house now, becoming more familiar with his presence now. Something that I'd never really grasped until recently um, was that the Holy Spirit didn't just come at Pentecost. Like, you know, Jesus has risen from the dead, ascended, all triumph and, and, and success has happened, and now I'm sending the Spirit and go for it. But that when Jesus' body was pierced, blood and water flowed, symbolic of the release of the Holy Spirit. The temple curtain was torn when he breathed his last breath, symbolic of the release of God's presence from a, a, a particular building into the world. And when we experience Friday in some way, death to sin, death to self, it's the beginning of an experience of closeness to an intimacy with God. A receiving of his very spirit. When we say death to self, death to the stuff, God, that is not of you. So I guess my question this morning from, that I'm asking myself and for us and for you, what needs to die in us today, God? When we allow Friday to happen in us, he brings us to the desert. And, and in that place, he can draw us into his presence, pour out his spirit on us. And so, God, show us what needs to die in us today. As we just wait on God for a, a few minutes, um, we want to ask, I want to ask to ask that question and then we'll move on to the next bit.
So when we were on our uh, leadership team retreat, um, this was sort of a theme song for us, this song called Isaiah Song. And um, uh, until this morning, in, when I was praying in the prayer room, I hadn't actually connected this with what I was talking about, with what Yoy was talking about. Um, but we feel this, we said three, four, what was it, five weeks ago, uh, that this feels like a song for the season. And one of the beautiful things about this song um, and why we're going to sing it to you is that it's, song, it's sung from the perspective of God. So it's not a typical worship song in the sense that we sing it as an expression of prayer to God. It's a song sung by God over us um, and it comes primarily from the words of the prophet Isaiah. And so I just felt, okay, uh, we need to sing this song. And my sense is that maybe some of you feel as if there's a dryness right now. And you, you've been going, God, what, why, am I, why am I feeling dry? Um, like you're in sort of Saturday. Um, I, I pray this blesses you as, as you let God sing these words over you. Yeah. 
So, Father, as we come to you and only to you, whether we're in a wilderness season because you've drawn us there or whether, Lord, you're calling us to lay down things that we know are not of you, that we may enter the wilderness like Jesus did so that it's only you. Lord, we pray you are the well we would draw from, that you be the one who is our provider, the one who is enough for us in all things.